Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. If you're a parent of multiple children, you know that when you punish one child, all the others are usually taking note. And the child that receives your discipline humbly is the one who helps you the most in raising the others. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13 tells us that when we face the discipline of God in our lives, we're to do it by straightening up our bodies and straightening out our paths. We're not to walk around defeated as pathetic examples of those who are feeling sorry for themselves. And we're not to meander around looking for others to give us their pity or to give us a cheap way out from God's correction. Now, this is important because God is doing a good thing for us when he corrects us. He is demonstrating not only his love for us, but also his hope for us. He is shaping us into the image of his son. And as we face this discipline surrendered to God, we become examples to all our brothers and sisters who are being raised by God as well under his disciplines. Endure believingly. Believe that God has a purpose to glorify himself in you and through all that you're experiencing and therefore endure hopefully. Hopefully. Even thankfully. The Bible actually says in everything give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Endure prayerfully, humbly, patiently, believingly, hopefully, thankfully. Verse 9 gives us another word here, maybe the most important of all. It seems to sum up what we've just been saying in these other words. It says, be in subjection. Be in subjection to God as He does these things. All we have said here is a way, of, I think, of being in subjection to God. All the ways in which we respond properly, not despising not becoming discouraged. It's a way of expressing that we're yielding to Him and we're trusting in Him. This act of being in subjection calls for in the midst of our disciplines, and this is what God is getting at, is a total renunciation of our own self-will. A total renunciation of our desire to design the way of our lives and to fulfill and satisfy ourselves and to live for our own well-being. And it calls for a total renouncing of those things. That's what it means to be in subjection to Him. Not to your desire, not to your designs, not to your will, not to what you want. I think what God wants to hear from us, and we might feel it in our spirit, but I believe God is blessed when He hears the words from us. He wants us to hear something like, not my will, but your will be done. You say it, and as the Spirit brings you to mean it, Christ will meet with you in those very words and will make his life known to you because they were his words as well. They were his attitude as well as he brought to you your salvation. Here's a third observation for you. It comes at the end of verse 13 here. It says, So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And actually, if you look at these words in the Greek, you'll see that it appears in the text that what is being addressed here is not the individual who is under discipline at this point. In other words, he's not simply saying, you do these things, you buck up under the situation, you face God and you look towards Him and you seek to glorify Him and you make your path straight and you just 
Accept his disciplines and your lameness will be corrected. And what's pulled out of joint in your life will be put back into place. And although that may be true, that doesn't seem to be what the passage is referring to. It appears as though in the passage as you read it, that the author is turning his attention from just the individual who is to meet with this discipline in a right and proper way in subjection to God, and now he's turning their attention to those around them who are also being bent out of shape and who are slouching along under their own trials. You're not the only one that God is working on. Did you know that? You're not the only one that God is disciplining and trying to mold and shape in his family. There are those around you that for reasons that you might never know have become contorted and bent out of shape by their difficulties and their hardship and their trials. And your readiness to buck up under God's chastening, to straighten your direction under His disciplines, can be used of God. And this is how you make disciplines the most useful way. They can be used of God to bring healing to others who have been twisted in bitterness and brokenness because of what they've encountered in their life. When the Lord Jesus was facing the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, He wrestled before the great agony of all the suffering and all the misery and all the pain that He was going to be bearing upon Himself of our sin and the punishment and agony for our sin. And His natural flesh repulsed from that great trial of sorrow and pain, and it's understandable. And in His natural capacity to deal with and address and the the revulsion of what was lying before him he had a will that began to rise up within him which was this I don't want to go through this I don't want to experience this before the father though and before the design and plan of the father and the plan of the triune God throughout eternal ages past That natural heart of the Savior, Christ speaking as a man, came before the will of God. And what he said was, before our salvation and the work that brought our salvation and the great sorrow and suffering he bore for our salvation, he said, not my will, but thine be done. He didn't say it as a man who was just looking for a point of victory in his life. He wasn't just saying it as a man who said, not my will, but thine be done, so that he might know, although that would be real, he might know the victory over a temptation or the victory that comes when we turn away from shirking our calling and God's calling on our life and our responsibilities and we yield to Him. And there is triumph. There's triumph in doing the right thing. But He didn't just say it in order to experience personal triumph, personal victory in the face of this grievous temptation. He said it so that He might share through that victory Away, away from sin and away out from sin and away out from its brokenness for all that he had come to save. He said it to bring us all into his victory and his triumph. Listen, by way as an example for ourselves, you are never going to atone for another person's sin. That was Christ's work alone. But your readiness and willingness to yield to God in the midst of his disciplines, can bring and introduce healing to others. It can set them on a path and a direction of surrender and submission to the will of God themselves. It can show them the right response, and in such a way it can author and be the way of introducing them 
to the healing that they need themselves. Setting down their wills before God so they could find life in Jesus Christ alone. God disciplines His children. We make the most of that discipline when we understand and we rejoice in His plan and we yield to it in the right way. God works to that right way. The primary word for that yielding is being in subjection to Him. Enduring in subjection to Him. Yielding to Him in submission to Him. There's a reason why we need to do this and it's not just for yourself and for your own sake. It's for everyone else around you that's under His disciplines as well. This calls for a surrender to God and utter trust on our part, even as we drink the cups of discipline and the molding that He gives us. George MacDonald, in a novel called The Curate's Awakening, which, by the way, I recommend you get and read. It's a great novel. There's a description of a woman by the name of Rachel. She's a dwarf, and her body is grotesquely and painfully deformed, and yet she's somewhat the hero of the book. She's this sweet young woman who speaks truth in the life of this young pastor. She's a study in joy and delight and contentment in the midst of life. And there's a line in the story that best explains the contentment and joy that you find in her life. This life of pain and difficulty and hardship. And it's simply this. Quote, Rachel bade him good night with her fine eyes filled with tears, which suited their expression, for they always seemed to be looking through sorrow to something beyond it. We can delight in the disciplines of God, for there is something beyond the pain of His disciplines. Always something beyond it. Paul speaks about it in Romans 8, 17 and 18. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you, God, for the simple lessons that you bring us and that you teach us. Thank you, God, that the trials we face, that others face within the body of face within the body of Christ, are meant for our good. They're meant to teach and instruct us all. Lord, how I would pray that my response and others' response always in the midst of your disciplines is, Jesus, have your way with me. Have me. Jesus, find me, yield it to you, because I can't trust myself, but I trust you. I stand in the promise of your enduring love for me. And I rest in it. Now, dear Savior, loosen my strong-willed hands from all things that I might think I need for my satisfaction and contentment. That I might take hold of you alone. Strengthen my arms to embrace what you give me. Strengthen my knees to stand and rise before you in praise. And bow prayerfully, submissively in your presence. Set my path with my eyes fixed upon you to glorify you and you only. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so good as to wean from us and take from us those things that 
do not bring glory and honor to you to prevent us from those things that take us deeper and deeper into a pit of self. Thank you for your refining hand. We have experienced something better than all the world. We have been made sons and daughters of God. We have been raised up to be a nation of kings and priests with our God. We have been given a position of highest honor. Oh, how easily it would be to distort all those things into an expression of praise and arrogance and pride. Thank you for humbling us. Showing us that everything is in Jesus and in Jesus is everything. Savior, thank you for giving yourself completely to the misery and sorrow and suffering of the punishment of our sins. So that we might be delivered and brought out of our punishments. Let us follow your example by giving ourselves willingly to the disciplines that you give us for sin. So that you might use us in that way to guide other people out of the suffering of their disciplines. And the blessing of total and complete surrender to you. Help us to remember that before this table. Help us as we partake of it to eat of the bread worthily knowing that we're not worthy of it. To drink of the cup worthily, knowing that we're not worthy of it. Confessing honestly before you our sin and our need of you alone. Taking you by faith, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bread of Life. It's our privilege to offer you food from our table. If you want to learn more about our teaching ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until you join us again around God's Word, may God bless you.